It was six days, um, and every it was a stage adventure race. So in the first day we did a triathlon. The second day we would do a 50k mountain bike on a sandy island. And then a 14k paddle, which was my longest paddle ever. The third day we would do a 87 kilometer paddle through the um, Abu Dhabi ocean. And that was one of the hardest stages ever to this day in, in my life. Um, it was just pure pain for 11 hours. Yeah, that was, that was probably one of the stages that stands out to this day in my life. But that really shaped me for the, the next few years to come. And day four and five was uh, a section through the Levi Desert. I think it ended up being about 120 kilometers through the deadliest uh, desert in the world. Um, that was also my, my single longest stage on my feet. And yeah, day six was uh, mountain biking and a very, very treacherous um, rope section on Yebel Afit, one of the highest mountains in Abu Dhabi. Today, Christian Gehlen is known for his trail running, but it all started with adventure racing. Yai describes one of the first professional adventure races he competed in, in Abu Dhabi. And he might still be adventure racing. That is, if it wasn't for a goal. I went to another sprint race and I met uh, this girl. She was very spontaneous and um, also, she, she showed interest into the sport of, of adventure racing. And so I invited her to, to join our um, team. And she's like, yeah, she only have time for running. And I was like, oh, but we've got a running group, which never existed. Um, and I kind of made up the running group with a couple of my friends who also weren't really runners. Um, and the first morning, two of my friends pitched and it was way too early for them to get up. Um, and the next day, one of my friends uh, had an excuse. And then in the end, we ended up just being the two of us. And she's keep on asking, so uh, where's, where's your friends today? And it's like, no, this one's writing exams and that one's got an issue. But yeah, I couldn't be straight in my intentions because she had a boyfriend. So when I asked her for uh, to, to have a coffee, she said, no, that's uh, out of the, the question, but we can go for a run. So that was my, my introduction to running and it wasn't that easy. I, I wasn't a natural runner. I, adventure racing, you go quite a slow pace. So I was comfortable with that and going for long hours, very slowly with a heavy backpack. But I, I, I struggled in the, in the running, like I struggled to keep up with this goal. And it's no surprise Christian struggled to keep up with this goal because this goal is none other than Landy Hreyland. If you're a trail runner, you know who she is. If not, she's one of the top female ultra-distance trail runners in this country, having won almost every major local trail event, and some of them multiple times. And you may have worked out by now, by her last name, 
that Christian eventually succeeded in his pursuit of this goal. Yeah, she she also loved adventure, and for the first four years of our relationship, so first we had to get uh, a boyfriend out of the way, and that that happened naturally because we 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 trained together, we raced together, and then we we won one the first adventure race we ran raced together as a pair, and we had to wait for prize giving, and we got home quite late, and I think that that upset uh, the situation with her boyfriend and the relationship uh, then stopped and. Uh, yeah, a month later we started dating, but she was also in love with adventure racing then and the adventure world. So she joined me on adventure racing for uh, four years of focusing adventure racing and racing competitively. Uh, we did a couple of Swazi extremes together, a number of the double moon kinetic events, um, and then we went all the way to getting an invite for world champs with Team Cyanosis. Um, which we unfortunately had to decline because we realized that getting to this mania would cost us the same as getting married. So we decided to get married and and actually park adventure racing um, for, for a bit and focus on one sport just because of the logistics of being a good adventure racer um, and still um, doing a f- having a full-time job. So we did, uh, after the, our decision, we did one more expedition race, the 500-kilometer expedition Africa and Eastern Cape, which was always on a bucket list, and uh, thereafter we 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 hang the bikes and just uh, choose the running shoes. Yo, I love it. So, so this leads me straight into the next thing, which I admire about yourself, Christian. Is like, so when I met you, you're you're just winning a whole bunch of amazing races at that stage. You, I think, you had such a good season. Um, and I think you broke some records. I think it was Table Mountain Challenge that you just like won in like this excruciating heat. Um, and and I, I remember like chatting to you afterwards and realizing like you have a full time job. Like you were you are and then you were uh, working in like corporate environment as an engineer. Um, and I think Landy was uh, part time or full time employed. And and yet you guys had this ability to have time for all your friends for adventure and to be professional athletes and and one of the things you said to me then which i don't know if you've stuck to but you said like i just want to prove or to myself or just see if it's possible to be the best runner in the country and only train once a day or with a limited time um and i think for a while you definitely pulled that off yeah, I do remember I was oh, I was overcommit, so I I give it my everything and, and work and my everything in sport. And um, yeah, I was I, I never considered myself or allowed myself the opportunity to think that I could be a professional trail runner or a full-time trail runner. Um, sponsorship money was just non-existent and yeah, I was just th- I just thought that's the way that will be because uh, I've got to I've got to pay the bills or you think you have to sometimes because the more things you own the more uh, responsibilities you have and the more you need to earn. So we one one night we we had a chat and we sat down at a fireplace in our cottage in um, Stellenbosch and we said. 
well, probably we should think of kids one day. Um, and then we were close to getting, yeah, we were about 33 years. And Landy said, well, the one thing is I don't want to have my first kid after 35. I said, well, that gives us two years. And then I realized I'm running out of time to pursue my dreams as a full-time athlete. So we did a stock take of what we have. And then one specific day, I remember, um, we were, I I was a project manager on an ERP implementation, but we also had a race coming up in Aconcagua in, in in South America, and I, I just I committed to both, <laughs> so that sparked the idea that I never want to be in that position again, where I had to decide what I have to do above what I want to do. So I missed out on the the race in Aconcagua, and I've never been to South America. But that night, I decided I'm gonna I'm gonna go back and I'm gonna resign. Um, so I went in the next day, said, okay, I'll finish off the project. I'll get it implemented, but um, here's my resignation. So the the reason I actually want you on this podcast is because of your adventure spirit. Like all of these things, like you've raced all over, you've done really well, but like it all comes back to like this hunger for adventure, to have the freedom to explore. Um, And so like this takes me to to one of the adventures you and I went on where you invited me to sleep on Table Mountain for a week with you. Um, and like, I can't remember the real perp. I remember it was about raising money for, I think it was starting Chance yes. at ECD Center. Um, but for me, what it really became about, it was the same time um, in South Africa where the headlines of the papers was all about like white privilege or privilege. And and I was, I was pretty young and I didn't, I didn't understand privilege. Like, I'd never spent enough time thinking about it. And, and this opportunity to be on the mountain was like one whole week of almost not having privilege. Like we had cold water, um, we had to carry all our own food and wood up to keep warm. It was in the middle of the, it was actually this time of yeah. year, July. It was like, I remember raining and stormy some nights. And originally we were gonna catch like public transport. And I think the first day the trains burnt or didn't work. And, and basically for me personally, it ended up being like this like 10K run down the mountain on a bicycle, 12 or 15K cycle to work, have to be at work before work hours. I think I gave myself a budget of 100 Rand a day for food and then had to do the same back. And after a week, I'd like run over 500Ks and I'd cycled over like 900Ks or something crazy. And, and I'd climbed the elevation of Everest virtually um, and, and the physical thing was hardcore, but like the, the most, the most eye opening thing that happened there was like realizing how privileged we are and like what other people go through just to get to work and, and how important the ways we treat people and we respect people and we think about things. And this, I think you went through a similar journey. We ended up sitting there like late at night, having like these, these conversations that were super deep. And the one conversation that I'll never forget is like, you asked me the question, like, okay so what next like where will we be next year where will we be in five years and and both of us had like the same answer it was like well i want to either get out of corporate world or get myself into a place where i can live a life of adventure where i can explore and and make a difference essentially through my passion for this for these wild places and you definitely beat me at it but like i think it was less than a year later you're resigned, you're traveling, your adventure spirit is just so amazing and your drive to achieve it is like super inspiring and admirable. 
Yeah, I, yeah, I remember that that week. Um, and I think that's you get very few people which you have a similar spirit and that energy. And I could sense it from the day I met you. And that's why I invited you to, I, I invited a couple of people to to join me on Table Mountain, but only few committed. Um, I mean, it was quite a commitment to to spend a week on top of Table Mountain in the middle of winter. Um, it was me, you, and Gerard. Yeah. And uh, th then that first night I thought, what was I thinking? I was trying to find the trail in the dark, in the rain, and it was extremely cold, and I had no idea where I was. And I, I thought to myself, well, will Blake do it? Will, will he be at the top? Yeah, we actually didn't, we, we didn't speak to each other before. We just met there. No, and there's no signal. And I was like, um, I wonder if he will make it. And I got to the, the cottage and Gerard made a fire. He carried wood up every day. And uh, then we were waiting for you, but we couldn't find you because there's no signal. And then you ended up there uh, tired. You, you had a flat tire yeah. on, the, on your bike and you had to um, walk extra kilometers to get to the start. And then, uh, but you arrived there for a smile. And yeah, I remember that so well. There was like, it was a crazy storm, like the first night and like you couldn't see anything and you and Gerard went and put your headlamps up like with red yes. lights or something to help direct me. No, it was completely crazy, but yeah, it was cool. <laughs> but, and, and that, that, that was the, like the turning point for me that week. I remember we took that week and we, we every night was like, ask ourselves, this is adventure. This is, this is life. Why are we stuck in something we want to, don't want to do? And yeah, that really sparked that idea. I mean, it, it's not easy to make a decision to to put everything on hold, to quit your career. We are so um, almost programmed in school that you've got to get a good degree, you've got to go and find a good job, have a have a wife and kids, and have it live a good life. But it, to me, it was never the the solution. It was it kind of sounded boring. Like I said, if if nothing's going to change for the next ten years, I might as well die. What what else is there in life? And that's exactly it. There's so much more. And Christian would take the leap and dive headfirst into adventure and become a full-time athlete for a while. And this would lead him to an adventure on Table Mountain in an attempt to become a world record holder. One of the coolest adventures which I was grateful to be there on your last lap and witness it was um, recently in lockdown, you and um, AJ, both of you K-Way athletes, um, partnered up on this attempt or uh, not attempt anymore but this goal to do the Guinness World Record most vertical distance, distance on foot and you did Platterclip. Tell us tell us so quickly about like how that idea started and what it is. Yeah, it was, it, AJ had a the, the great spark of the idea. This is AJ Carlitz, also a K-Way athlete. AJ is an amazing trail runner having won numerous local races. But AJ is really known for his incredible ability to run up mountains and across technical trails fast, really fast. Uh, one day at a K-Way um, event in Deer Park, he said, I've, I've got a, a proposal to you. Like, yeah, it's like, there's no, no more events. Um, I really would like us to do something big. I was like, okay, let's, I'm, I'm keen. And it's like, let's do the most vertical distance. Let's break the Guinness record for a team. And um, I, I said, okay, I'm, I'm going to apply. We've got three months to do it. And life happened. So AJ's got... So when, wait, when was this? This was Because this was like in lockdown. This was in 2020. Um, no, sorry, it's 2021. 
Okay. In January. So yes. we still had restrictions. Restrictions, so all the events were cancelled and uh, he applied in January, late January. So we had like until the 11th of May. So, you know, life happens and um, things got a bit better at the beginning of 2021. And I think one or two events came back and I had a kit in February and AJ had a third kit um, also around that time. And we didn't talk about it again um, and until it was about to expire. And I phoned him up and uh, AJ, are we still going to do it? He's like, I'll meet you at the, at, at the bottom of the mountain. Platterclip Gorge is the most popular hiking trail up Table Mountain, partly because it's the most direct route. It's steep with big steps, almost 700 meters elevation from the road to the saddle at the top in just two and a half k's. It takes the average hiker about two hours to climb, but Christian is no average hiker. Now, we were both professional athletes, so it's not like we didn't train, we're not fit, we, we were both in excellent shape. Um, AJ, I trusted him on this um, expedition because I know he have done the most vertical um, elevation gain in 12 hours. Oh, what, what was his record on the uh, mountain challenge, the table mountain challenge? Or what, what yeah, so the, he broke the, the 12 hour record for the most elevation gain uh, for a solo person. So he went up down with the cable car. So I, I knew he had a, the know-how of how things work. And uh, we did a couple of calculations. He did a recce run, which was to me almost as big as uh, the record. Um, but he did a recce run of about eight or nine laps. Um, he did a recce run of eight or nine laps. That, like that was also up and down or up, part of down. up and down. Yes. And how many weeks before your three or four weeks? <laughs> so that was a bit crazy. Um, but he he then knew. So then we know what was how long it took. Uh, that, so that was also for, for part of a charity, um, the K-Way Platyclip Charity Challenge. Um, and we did calculations. We, we did plan exactly the logistics then of each individual lap. Um, he left that part to me. I'm the analyst and the, and the engineer. And then we, we recruited a couple of people. And um, it was a Monday, so people had to take leave. Uh, but you have to two people at the bottom and two people at the top to witness your attempt for every lap. Every lap. So and they, there was there need to be shifts of four hour shifts. I think it was. So we had a five hour shift. So we had like four teams of people to sit at the bottom and the top. And we had an amazing support crew at the bottom. That was Pierre, the gear guy from Kway, who he's there. He was there since five o'clock in the morning. So we were only allowed 20 hours. So that was always also the reason why we delayed the whole um, thing because we didn't have 24 hours. South Africa had very hard restrictions and it was curfew. So you're not allowed to go out between 12 p.m. and 4 a.m. Okay, so so originally you the original goal was to do it within 24 hours, but because of curfews, you yeah, only had 20 hours. They never lifted it. So, so we applied and we hope they will let go of the curfew. And that's why we, we didn't focus. We didn't put a date down because we like waiting for restriction to lift. 800 days later now, we've got 24 hours back <laughs> and, and no masks. But so, so then we, we did a calculation. We said, okay, it is possible in 20 hours, but it's going to be touch and go. And if we want to do it in 20 hours, this is the times we need to, to, to hit on every lap. 
So what was the original or the, the record you had to break and how many climbs is that? So the original record is about uh, close to 18,000 vertical meters. So, and we had to, we, we focused, we wanted to do 14 and that would give us 19,386 meters or okay, something. Okay, so 14 climbs up Plata Cliff. Yeah, up and, and down. down. And it will give you how many meters? Um, just short of 20,000 meters, yeah. And, and uh, there was no time for a 15th lap because if we wanted to do a 15th lap, we would have broken the, the South African laws um, to, to go over curfew. <laughs> um, so we, we had to do 14 laps. It worked out well. And I mean, we... It, it was quite a feat to do it in 20 hours. Uh, to break the record in 24 hours is possible for anyone, but I think because we we only had 20 hours, it was it was quite a an old to organize everything. I mean, I remember Pia got pulled over by police going back home because he was driving back home after curfew, and I was so worried to get you guys down from the mountain. And uh, luckily, we had a the hotel room and and never at home, so um, that. I, I didn't have to take the risk and drive back home. So what was your average time to uh, per lap up and up and down? So initially the average time was about 39 minutes up and about 30 minutes down, so one hour, nine minutes. And I calculated and I thought, yeah, we're gonna smash this record. AJ, we, we're, gonna, we're gonna do 16 laps on this time. And then eventually things got tougher and tougher. And at a six lap, I got cramps and we started ascending it in 54 minutes and then descending in 35 minutes. And it became an hour and a half to hour 40 a lap. And I thought, sure, okay, no, I was like, are we going to make it? And what, like, so you're done by what, 11 o'clock in the morning, you're done six laps? Um, yeah, I think about 12, midday. Yeah, it was, it was, it was, yeah, 11 o'clock, yeah. And so you got midday heat and you're cramping. Yeah, that was extreme, extremely hot for May. Um, and in Platyclub, AJ warned me and he said, there's no wind flow, there's no air movement in Platyclub. So it's going to be hot. And when it's hot, it's going to be our biggest challenge. And yeah, lap six was my toughest lap. I, I couldn't, I, I, I couldn't see myself doing another eight laps. Um, I was in pain. I, I took all the biogen salt and tablets and electrolytes I could um, could get, and yeah, and it miraculously came better. Became better at lap nine, and I was able to to move again. And it was a bit colder. And then AJ had a had a bad patch at lap nine. He, the way he deals with it, he just don't talk about it. So he got very quiet. <laughs> And uh, I think it helped that I, we didn't, we were not both at a bad spot at the same time, but it helped to have a, a, a equally strong partner uh, that we could support one another and a good support crew and very positive people at the top of the mountain, like yourself. So I've, I've climbed platter clip on a race and cramped and sat there and like, it's in, it felt, it, felt completely impossible to move like the once you start cramping you just keep cramping like it's a it's a downward spiral and and i call it like the death zone in platter clip like the three quarter way up it's like no wind humid 
it's it's pretty gnarly if you're in a bad space. Like, how do you get, what, what are your tricks? How did you get through it? What were you thinking? Yeah, I mean, there, there was only, the biggest reason I wanted to do this, I didn't realize that there will be so many people involved to make our dream come true. And our dream was bigger than just ourselves. And we also created awareness for EduNova. And that's also about education and they supply kids with uh, tablets and with free technology to help to educate the most rural areas in, in Africa and South Africa. So, but I didn't want to let everyone, anyone down that we started on this journey. People were, gave up, they took a day leave to come and support us. And then there's no way I'm going to pull out. Um, I, I think I'm one of, I don't know a lot of runners who don't have a DNF in, a, in their lives and I've never stopped anything I started. So the pain is always going to be there. And through Platic Club, I learned that you can run through cramps and you can, there's another, there's an there's a, a other side of, of cramping. And um, cramping is usually because of a lack of conditioning or because of a electrolyte and water hydration imbalance. I think it was both. Um, I mean, to to choose that clip, and I always wanted, I said to AJ, this is not the best mountain to do this. It's like, trust me, it's it's good for um, the media, but everyone knows Table Mountain, and I've done it before, and we've already measured it with a, a quantity surveyor. So we've got to do platic clip. I said, but it's steps. It's it's the hardest thing you can imagine going down stairs. And and it was. <laughs> it was probably the hardest thing. So it wasn't the easiest mountain. The stairs are, are hard in your body. That's every, I mean, it's a big steps. So you've got to be able to move your legs. And yeah, was, we, we just went through that pain cave and keep, keep on moving. And it inspired us, the reasons why we did it and the people that supported us. That's why we, we just kept on going, crawling, hiking poles, pushing one another. Um, yeah. It's so incredible. I remember at one stage I was driving my car. I think it was like just after midday. And I think AJ was being interviewed on radio while he was walking up. And like you could hear the banter between you guys. And it was just, it was just super cool to see like like thousands of people that you probably had never heard of before were somehow supporting this journey, be it from a radio station or on social media or the K-Way following and their live feeds that they're giving. Like, it was just super cool to see this community of people just supporting your crazy wild adventure. Yeah, that that's really what, what helps in the end. We didn't um, market it before uh, because we, we planned it so last minute. Uh, but the amount of media we covered after the attempt was uh, quite eye-opening. Uh, people needed inspiration at that time. And um, because there were no events, there's still stuff you can do. You can still be outside. And even if we just motivated some people at work who, who sit all day and have an unhealthy lifestyle just to go up one splatter cliff. I mean, it's one of the most amazing mountains and people travel all over the world to to come and summit Platiklip and here in South Africa, you have so many people who have never done it before and it's for free. Amazing. <clears throat> and then you've, since then you've done Lesotho, which I think we need a podcast on its own on. Um, and, and I'll definitely dive into that at a later stage. But 
what what's next like what's like not just from a sports side but adventure wise like what is the next adventure for you or is there something on the horizon are you planning something or do you have a goal or a dream so um definitely i think the biggest single adventure we want to do as a family uh is to take another mini retirement and travel south america and africa with the kids how old are your kids one and a half and three and a half and how old do you want them to be for this before they go to school so we've got another two years so we started thinking in that direction and really planning it um, and i did take a job again in the corporate world um, but it was also because we travel less now because of the kids and the kind of job is um i actually love it so it's i could make a change in people's lives and um the one thing led to the other and i'm, I'm involved in a couple of projects and it's it's enjoy enjoyable for me so there will be a time where i I quit again, um, but we've got this amazing c coaching academy, Alpas Fit, where we change people's lives and we give people the opportunity to chase their dreams and we, we assist them on the journey. So Alpas Fit is set up in a way that we can work anywhere in the world. And the more we travel, the better for our business. So um, yeah, we've got a two-year window where we will do calculated um, sporting events where it's, you know, you're going to be away for a weekend and you'll be back home and then we'll do some crazier adventures where we will got a couple of ideas and not not to share it now until we we've really put it on paper but the biggest one for family is to to travel take a mini retirement and um show them the world and that's all we have time for today thank you christian for sharing your incredible story and inspiring us to take risk and chase those goals and also, thanks to all of our listeners who have headed to their favorite podcast platform and given us a like, follow, and rated us. We have loved hearing from you and your support is really appreciated. If you haven't yet, please head to your favorite podcast platform and give us a like, share, and rate us. It really, really makes a difference. We also recently launched the Gear Review. It's not your standard Gear Review. We get to test epic gear with wild adventurers, and then the best part is, we give the gear away to one lucky listener. So make sure you stand a chance to win some gear. Firstly, follow and listen to our podcast. And then head over to our social media page, Love Our Trails, and follow the steps on how to win. This podcast is produced by Telltale Media. And I'm your host, Blake Dyson. Till next time, keep well and keep wild. Well.